The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. Victims of the almighty Sarlacc, his excellency hopes that you will die honorably. But should any of you wish to beg for mercy, the great Jabba the Hutt will now listen to your pleas. <laughs> 3PO, you tell that slimy piece of worm-ridden filth, he'll get no such show from us. Right? Jabba, this is your last chance. Listen to the Dark Times podcast or die. <laughs> Welcome back to the Dark Times podcast. I'm Sam, your favorite spice trade and pirate. Welcome back to the Dark Times podcast. I'm Steven, your favorite Imperial officer in training. There you go. Yeah, a little cadet He's working action. his way up, <laughs> up that, <laughs> that corporate ladder, right? <laughs> what point do you get to be one of the red guys, right? Do you think it's the best job or the worst job? The red guys? The Imperial Guards. Oh, you gotta be like, they're, they're, they're like, they're like. They're kind of like space Mormons. I don't know. There's like a lot of lore with them. Wait, really? Yeah, there, there's like, they have like baggage. There's like a deal. There's like a whole academy for them. You have to have been on the camping trip with Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, I've got some peyote. From- <laughs> We're all going to do this. And whoever, whoever comes back first gets to be an Imperial God. I think that's how. Yeah, they had a comic. I think that was that was it. That or Tarkin has to kick your ass for three hours straight, and if you survive that, you become an Imperial Guard. Oh, man. I love Star Wars. (laughs) Seriously, speaking of Tarkin, I was reading the Catalyst, the the one novel. Really, really good. If you're ever interested in, like, the logistical challenge of of building a Death Star, really, really cool book for that. Like, two million tons of Durasteel. No, for real. There's, like, whole chapters just on, like, acquiring the materials. But anyway, Tarkin is in it, because of course he is. And he's, like, a sympathetic figure for this part of the book. He's like, yeah, I was, I was tortured in a, in a POW camp. It was really bad. <laughs> and Krennic's like, Oh my God. <laughs> Krennic's on his knees, like kissing ass. <laughs> as he speaks. Oh man. That's my favorite, you know, character trait in, in Imperials. Either they're badasses like Tarkin, which is cool and all, but yeah. come on. I love groveling little sniveling pieces of shit as much as the next guy. Krennic, Krennic rules for He's that reason. Great. He's so good. That performance is just so And excellent. then at the end, Tarkin's just like, nah, bitch, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> my station now. <laughs> no oh. station. <laughs> no station. No Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, where we... Uh, we stand amongst my emails, <laughs> not yours. <laughs> We got some. We got some feedback. Speaking of from emails, the show. yeah. Uh, let me see here. There we go. Good, nice, big old email from our friend Zloy Krolik. He revealed this is AKA Russian. AKA Pancake House. AKA Pancake House. I'm gonna stick with Pancake House because I can pronounce that one. Go oh, for it. Great. <laughs> Hello, I like your podcast. Thanks for the shout out on the latest episode. I'm Pancake House. I go by Zoy Krolik on Reddit. Zoy Zoy Krolik is Russian for evil rabbit. I've been a long-time fan of Swissy. I bought every book as it came out, and it's one of my favorite RPG systems. I like what you've been doing with your podcasts. I'm slowly working my way through them. I don't know if you've covered this recently, but I've seen people post on Reddit about being reluctant to run Star Wars games because they don't know all the lore or are afraid of getting this wrong. I think you covered this in one of your first couple episodes. I usually post a reply about not being subject to the tyranny of the lore. Just play your own game. Heck, make new shit up. I've run three whole campaigns set in an alternate Star Wars universe that diverged when my group of players took Obi-Wan and Luke to Alderaan instead of Honda and Chewie. Really cool. I love that idea. I like that a lot. That's a really fun way to insert your players into the story. 
My players were in the cantina when Greedo showed up 15 minutes early. I like all this whole story <laughs> being like capitulated on Greedo showing up 15 minutes early. Greedo decided to take a cab that day to the bus, <laughs> and then he showed up 15 minutes early. Han kills him still, and then Han just leaves. <laughs> Han shot first, then left, and then the old man and the farmer's kid entered. They had a chance to tell them that Han was available for a charter and he was looking in Docking Bay 94, or they could take them to Alderaan. They chose the latter. One of the fun things that happened during the Death Star escape with Princess Leia was that a stormtrooper rolled a crit on Luke. The group thought he was dead. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> the group thought he was dead and left him behind. I'm just imagining Luke Skywalker, like Peter Griffin, death posing on the, on like the, the cold, like hard floor. Was- yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways. Oh my god. How does Obi-Wan react to that? That's so... I love oh, that. Oh, well. I, <laughs> oh, shit. Are any, of you, are any of you the son of a Jedi Knight? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, don't That's let the so lore good. get in the way of a good story slash game. I'm currently running a Bounty Hunters Guild game set in that universe, the fourth now in that universe, around 11 ABY. Your last episode on Coder makes that the likely next setting when this wraps up. Good way to sell it. Thanks for the entertaining, interesting, and informative podcast. Keep up the good work. And oh, Tunnel Snakes rule. Thank you so much, Pancake House, for Thank that you. lovely email. Yes, you, you make a lot of good points, Mr. Mr. House, Mr. Pancake House. And I, I don't think we could say it on the show enough that, I mean, the lore is there to inspire. Absolutely. Not like dogmatically rein in your creative potential. Everyone's favorite Star Wars moment, like whatever that may be, is always when there's something new brought to the table in Star Wars. Think about Darth, Darth Maul's, Maul's lightsaber yeah. reveal. <laughs> Maul's That's lightsaber, the yeah. They fucked up by putting that in the trailer for Phantom Menace. Did you know that? I did not know that. The, the, the double lightsaber reveal was in the trailer for Phantom Menace. I mean, but can you imagine that at Comic-Con, though, 1999? I would lose my shit, man. But yes, everyone's favorite Star Wars moment, no matter what it is, be anything, it's when something fresh and new is brought to the table. And, you know, this is a role-playing game. This is a Star Wars storytelling engine it doesn't say anywhere in the book that you have to follow the canon of the movies. That wouldn't be fun at all. No, You're here to tell your own story. And I promise you, you'll have more fun once you break out of those chains that that can be the Star Wars lore. And players, you know, as as apes, as greater apes, we love <laughs> pattern recognition. We love it to death. Of course. So players love seeing things from canon in their games. Absolutely. It's a fun and classic maneuver to have an adventure where the party hangs out with Lando for a weekend or has to rescue R2-D2 from a, a swamp world, like really anything. You, you Cameos are fantastic fun. Full-blown twists on the original story are I amazing. I that. That yeah. twist that he, with Luke fucking getting left at the Death Star, that's, the ramifications of that are so great. Oh yeah, that's that's Luke coming back as like... An Inquisitor. As like an Inquisitor, Inquisitor 100%. Luke Inquisitor so Luke, cool. yeah. I need to see it. I need to hear more. Actually, there's lots of art of that. No, there. but I need to hear more about this. Specifically. Oh, yes, yes. So, uh, we'd love to hear more, Mr. Mr. House. Um, on, on to the next email. Oh, we actually, this is from our Patreon. Mr. Butts posted on our Patreon a, a very short but sweet message that I'm sure many of you will enjoy. It has begun. Found a copy of the core rulebook on eBay. Please don't tell my wife. <laughs> Mr. Butts, I'm, I'm not familiar with, with Mrs. Butts, but... Certainly, um, maybe she, she's probably into you. Maybe she's into role playing as well. Maybe see if see if she might be interested in playing. There you go. Our Lakopic had some feedback for us. Oh, good old Lakopic. You want to read that for us, Sam? Yeah, absolutely. Lakopic says, 
Using tactics more, I'd recommend doing some homework and re- don't say homework. No one wants to hear that. Though this was about <laughs> our conversation last week because we were talking about tactics. Then we had oh, yeah, yeah, someone else wrote yeah. in about. Oh, I was just recapping for okay. the audience. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. No, it's all good. I know you know. <laughs> I had to listen to it three times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, doing some homework and write down tactics for NPCs, maybe even turn by turn in some cases. Turn one, the noble buffs allies and goes to the nearest cover. Turn two, he grabs a smoke grenade and creates cover. Turn three, he demands surrender. Or just use some smoke and mirrors by using some advanced weapons and abilities suited to counter the PCs. Too many Jedi with deflect? Use sonic weapons. Need to disrupt shooters? Smoke. The enemies died too easily? Send another wave of enemies. Maybe from another side of the map and so on. And yes, don't forget to aid another with shooting. One stormtrooper is not that scary. Five stormtroopers helping stormtrooper with machine gun burst fire? More scary. And I would also recommend writing down a quick stat block for NPCs, only HP defenses and quick explanations for their abilities. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the main criticisms of Swissy is that, you know, X talent is overpowered, Y talent, you know, cannot be countered. If you feel that way, it's more often than not, you need to look deeper as to the types of threats that you put in front of your players. The Jedi with deflect using sonic weapons is a perfect example. I saw someone online deriding evasion. The, the like the scout talent was that it was too overpowered when it only protects you from area attacks. Yeah, there's a lot in Swissy that is an area attacks that evasion has nothing for. Yeah, invasion is great. Don't get us wrong. This but. game master. Oh, evasion's amazing. It's it's if you're a scout like train and survival, take evasion like at some point. Both are, are iconic for that class. But this GM was considering taking evasion out of the game because they couldn't figure out how to get around it. I think that's one of those things where. GMs forget that area attacks only deal half damage if they roll at least a 10. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, part of this problem is that the depth of Swissy is almost impossible. When you reach into that bin, you can't even see where your arm goes just because there's so many things for you to put on the table against your players. I have some thoughts on this that tie into a point we'll make later on. Ooh. 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 Steven, uh, has this ever happened to you? Session one is in two hours and you haven't prepped. What do you do? What do you need to have ready? What can nudge a good session with minimal prep to a great session? Oh man, I've um I've been there a lot. Not recently, because having we, we, we you know because I'm just you haven't done good. a session one in yeah, a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I haven't 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 done a session one in a, in a sec. I think number one, and this is key to all my success in role playing, and I'm sure many people will agree, confidence is <laughs> is numero uno. If your if your session one is in two hours, and you have no prep confidence is going to be the main thing that carries you though. That, that is the, that is the planks that make up your ship here that you're sailing. Use an extended metaphor. It's confidence. Okay. Number two, gather some stat blocks you like. If this is like a level one ordeal, your options are severely limited. Naturally. If this is like a level three to five ordeal. There's some really interesting stuff out there. Some actually quite dynamic things. DMFs. NPC guide is oh, you're a big fan of that big yeah. fan of that basically married to that book at this point really great mid-level stuff in there now I'm not saying with so with two hours of prep you don't have time to write a full-blown adventure module you don't have time to ensure that you'll blow their socks off so you need to prepare to improvise those favorite stat blocks of yours say it's uh, Mandalorian warrior I believe that's a CL5 General Mandalorian Mook, just a kind of a good super soldier in, in cool armor. 
you're going to need to figure out how to fit that stat block into the story. You don't need to figure out how to fit a Mandalorian soldier into the story, if that makes oh, sense. Okay, yeah. okay. Maybe that Mandalorian soldier, he's a armored hard hitter with, you know, good team play tactics. Maybe that is a gang enforcer. Simple reflavoring. Maybe it's a monster. Maybe it's like a crazy cave beast. I don't know where, where your like session one is. shit out of its eyes. Yeah, may, like maybe that. it's some sort of acid-launching cave frog. Nice. Absolutely. I mean, this this is your standard reflavoring stuff, but this is the kind of shit I don't think about when I'm panicking <laughs> with two hours until a session I haven't prepped for. Well, your, your players are going to, first of all, if they're fighting a normal-ass mook, that's one thing. Yeah. If they're fighting a mook who's crazed in some way or there's one little reflavor thing that makes it stand out they're gonna be that's gonna be memorable i'm taking a page out of our friend ryan's book who is a, an extremely talented game master in his own right ran a wonderful pathfinder campaign most of our most memorable encounters Whoa, chill out steven he's not gonna hear this you don't have to talk so you don't have to kiss ass so much <laughs> you little brown noser christ i just happened to like i think he's neat because <laughs> of this reason a lot of our most memorable encounters were with like Dark Souls style, like giant knights and stuff. A lot of those were like rhinos and like T-Rexes <laughs> reflavored as big knight guys. Yeah, it works, right? Which I, I was like, fucking of course, because you know, there's not many stat blocks for big Dark Souls knight guy. Yeah, 20 foot tall knight, dude. Yeah, yeah there, there isn't really many stat blocks for that. But Ryan figured out what story he wanted to tell, found some interesting stat blocks that do cool stuff. Mostly bullying, slamming, throwing around, charging, stuff like that. Things that 20 foot knights also do. And then just ran with it. I didn't even, I didn't, we didn't even know. I didn't know till now. Yeah, no, <laughs> seriously. He let it slip like once. And then I made it a habit after like every encounter. I was excited, like rubbing my hands. Like, okay, what stat box were those? Like, what was that? Like a, like a, like a tiger? Like, was it a tiger with a gnome on his back? <laughs> I watched, my brain's a little cooked because I watched the new Beavis and Butthead movie last yeah. night. Really fucking funny. Titmouse animated it. Oh, really? That's yeah. wild. Titmouse. You wouldn't have known by looking at it. No, I would not. I got the little, <laughs> little bird at the end. That's how I knew. I, another thing, too, is um, if I don't know what I'm going to do in two hours for the session, I am pulling into the deep, wealthy trove offered by the Swissy Books themselves. The example skill challenges, which I believe are Galaxy of Intrigue, there's like 13, 14 skill challenges there. I might not even use them, but the conflict is there. Your character in Zero Distance recently had to deal with like a speeder chase scene. I didn't really know I wanted to do a speeder chase until I was like, okay, there, there's, there's speeders here. Uh, they, the, the party has speeders. The enemy has speeders. They're in like this. They're pointing a deer. It's like a cyberpunk city built into an asteroid. What, what can I do with that? I understood the parts of the problem. I looked at the skill challenges list. I saw a speeder chase skill challenge, and I'm like, oh, shit, we're going to do a speeder chase. Of course. It was a very fun encounter also. Thank you. I'm sorry I forgot about the acrobatics DC to get out of cuffs. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It was fun. It's one of those things where you can take whatever you want from the movies, from the TV shows, and just use it, right? Like, there's trash compactor, Death Star Escape. It's super easy. It doesn't have to be the Death Star. It could be any Imperial stronghold, anything like that. Another good use of those two hours you have to your session, don't watch a, a full Star Wars movie, but I was entranced just by the Battle of Hoth. Like, last night, I was just, I had uh, some time to kill. I was, like, in between tasks or something. I had a nice little beverage, like some tea. I sat down, put on Empire Strikes Back, watched, like, 12 minutes of the Battle of Hoth, and I was so inspired. 
with shit that doesn't even, we, we're not doing anything related to that in our campaign. And I was like, oh my God, I, I just had like a couple mini breakthroughs all at once. There's the, with the way the brain works, Sam, is, you know, our neurons, they're, they're wired between associated ideas and actions. If you want to think about Star Wars storytelling, you've got to start firing the Star Wars storytelling neurons in your brain. No better way to do that than to just put on a great scene from a, a movie you love. I agree, Stephen. And yeah, I mean, I couldn't say it better myself, to be honest. Star Trek is the same for me. I've gotten so much inspiration, mostly for like crafting like quandaries or like in intellectual problems, because that's what that's, Star Trek's about. That's absolutely what it's yeah. about. And, and it's so cool to just put on an episode of Star Trek, even just wait for the premise, because they, they tell you the pro. It's like the, there's the little prelude, the intro, and then they off. Oh, Picard's like, oh, fuck. We're in the boopy system and there's too much jello in the in the oh, number, number one, we're in the boopy system. Anyone who isn't a boopy gets gets assassinated by the boopies. <laughs> like, what like, do we do? Literally, that's every episode of Star Trek. Turn it on. Watch. Just wait for the conflict to be explained to you. And there you have it. That's your session. When in doubts, cheat, lie, steal. Cheat, lie, steal. It's always the same. Cheat, lie, and steal. Steven, there's something that I know that you and I both use. Well, you especially. You have you DM more than me, so I guess you, yeah. Just a little bit. Um, soundtracks. We were looking at the. Uh, <laughs> we were looking at the web enhancements. Oh yeah, I, this is my okay. This is my favorite web enhancement. It's a, it's about sound, like using soundtracks in your game. Star Wars got great soundtracks. There's some tracks that are great for boss battles. Some tracks are incredible for just plain combat. You know, the web enhancement is Star Wars: The Musical Experience by one Patrick <laughs> Stutzman. <laughs> we had a in the summer camp I worked at. We had a um, we had a sailboat that was infamous for for breaking down and sinking, called the Stutz. Well, so if you, if you were a bit of adult at camp, you'd be called a Stutz. Well, Patrick, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. Uh, if you want to be on the show, reach yeah, out reach to out. Us. Seriously, no, if, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> Mr. Stutz. Man. But he makes great points. He does make great points, and I kind of alluded to this. It was either the last episode or the one before. There's a whole subconscious realm that's affected by music. Music can set the tone for a scene without even really you trying. Now, this web enhancement's old enough that it suggests keeping like a, a, a CD playing stereo right by your table, which you, if you still have all of that, be my guest, go ahead. But a more modern solution, a Spotify playlist with a Bluetooth speaker, which is probably easier Works to get great. than a CD player at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, is going to be fantastic. All the Star Wars music is on Spotify and I think like YouTube also. You don't even need like a Spotify account to do this. Not to mention like every great sci-fi game of note, like either Mass Effect is a great Ma one. For I have ambience. a lot of Mass Effect music on my playlist for campaigns. I have a lot of Halo music. Um, I just have some like nice like space rock as it's called Z uh, sub rock isn't that what yeah it is? oh yeah yeah zeb, zeb rock. rock yeah dude i fucking when i rewatched rebels like months ago and the zeb rock scene came on go watch rebels just for the zeb rock scene it's the most like boomer like yeah zeb's having feelings and he's watching the sunset and all he needed like was like a beer like he should <laughs> he had the like folding chair and like the radio and everything he just needed the beer and I, it's also Zeb Rock is also on Spotify. Go see if you can find this. It is like a 59 second audio. Thank you, clip. Kevin Kiner for Zeb Rock. Kevin, it, it's just this really like one super strong guitar power chord. And then the vocalist, presumably Kevin himself. I don't know. Going. Yeah. And like, that's the song. That's it. It's so great. Anyway, bringing music to your games, not Zeb Rock. 
Um, maybe Zebrock. Maybe Zebrock. You know, dive I, I, bar on, yeah. Co- on Corellier or something. I could see some Zebrock there. Read this web enhancement. Um, I, I used to think this, this web enhancement was actually part of the core rulebook, but it was really the case that the first PDF of the core rulebook I came across had this like already pasted in it. So I was like, oh, it's part oh, of the core rulebook, nice. but it, it's not. But it's it's here and it's it's good. It lists some tracks uh, that are good for chase music. Escape from Naboo from the Phantom Menace. It's <laughs> Phantom Menace Ultimate Edition soundtrack, CD1, track 15. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who are playing along at home. Yeah, like, <laughs> like Battle for Endor 3, Return of the Jedi, CD2, track 3, end at 1 minute 58 seconds. Like, Wait, so the implication, right here. the implication is that I have to stop it mid The implication is that you're like, okay, guys, all your minis on the board? Very good. Let me put in my CD, close the lid. In two minutes, go- I gotta turn this off. Yeah, yeah, in two minutes, I'm gonna turn this off. But no, that, that's why we are, we're in the future now. Oh, great. 2008 was 2008, and they did the best they could. The implications is that nowadays, I'd have to burn a CD, Stephen. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, and I'm sure, oh my god, I'm dead certain that there's game masters out there that burnt and counter CDs. I know I would be doing that if I was 20 years younger, or born 20 years earlier. <laughs> For sure, yeah. You can yeah. get like a playlist and a Bluetooth speaker in 2008. It's not like you had to do with a CD stereo. <laughs> maybe this is the most legal way to get the Star Wars music. Right? Maybe I guess. Maybe I don't they weren't they're... streaming that shit yet. Yeah, I don't know. Huh? Really yeah, aging got... us for this podcast? Yeah, seriously, <laughs> really hard class. Some, someone's gonna have my fucking like Chinese zodiac here by the before the end of the episode. I'm sure. The web enhancement goes on. It's it's like, oh yeah, if you want good lightsaber duel music, here's tracks where there was lightsaber duels. Panaka and the Queen's Protectors. Track That's a personal 12. favorite of mine. It's a good one, and it's it says it's good Starship combat music, and I, I can attest to that personally. It's our outro music for the show. Oh, shoot. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. Sure enough. It's a good one. Yeah, and a whole lot of words to say good soundtrack for your scene is when they're doing that scene in the Star Wars movie. Play that same music at your table. Your players, though probably not listening to the music very closely, will be subconsciously affected. Another thing... And get them more engaged. Another thing I've noticed that helps me a lot with um, my my jamming when I use music, it kills dead air, like a lot. And Absolutely, dead air, you know, is is part of role playing. You can't all be talking all the same time, but it's just nice to have something going, just moving things forward for me while I consolidate my thoughts or my notes. You you understand. You don't want your players to be alone with their thoughts because they're going to start thinking I could be doing something else right exactly. now. Exactly. <laughs> and the last thing we want players to do is to walk up and leave. Um, a little note about about this first. This is actually a series of three web enhancements. The, it actually mentions at the end here. Um, you can get these soundtracks digitally through a little website called Amazon.com. Wow. Which, I mean, that's 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 fantastic. <laughs> Steven. Yeah. You're as as someone of the of the dating variety. Uh, <laughs> what you mean? Like I'm I'm like you've dated people in the past. I mean, I'm like I'm like I'm like of sexual maturity. Is that what you mean? That's not how I would put it. Yikes. Um, I lost my train of thought completely. Oh, you no, mean no, no. I'm like a bachelor, you mean? Yeah, as a okay, bachelor. I'm, I'm a valid. I'm what's the eligible? Eligible. I'm eligible. Is as what an you're eligible saying. bachelor of proper marrying age. Yeah. Uh, apparently. apparently. <laughs> by, by someone's standards, I hope. Um, you understand that when in doubt, let the other person talk about themselves. <laughs> As much as possible. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm I'm much more of a listener. I'm exactly. I, I don't know if you know me, Sam. I'm I'm kind of aloof. I'm a little. I'm a reticent lover. You know, I'm kind of like Sephiroth. <laughs> Stop the show. Stop the podcast. Stop what you're doing, Stephen. How the fuck are you like Sephiroth? Because I have I have one wing. 
Okay. And and I I have a I, I set things on fire and I have a cool sword. <laughs> and you're and, just, I, and I'm working on the and long you're hair. You're so full of Mako energy. Also, um, I don't know if that's a spoiler. Probably not. <laughs> no, I was about to say a different spoiler about Sephiroth. I don't think Mako energy is one though. No. A good listener would make a great game master is what I will say here. Oh, okay. When for in sure. doubt, let your players vamp. <laughs> let them vamp. I vamp all the time at the table. Absolutely. You remember Pathfinder, Alden. I would spend like two minutes talking about how he drew his sword for a given oh, scene. for sure. Or we'd have like unnecessary player versus player combats just for like a bet or to pay for the next round of drinks. And the DM would look at us like I had stuff going on, but if you guys want to, I'm like, I'm fine saving it for later. <laughs> Seriously. Letting your players riff and encouraging them to riff is, is fantastic. It's especially for early sessions. It helps them get into character. Yes. Helps them become more comfortable with role playing games. Helps them learn their, each other's characters as well. Absolutely. Their characters are, you know, say what you want. Your role playing character is a part of, you know, you put a little bit of yourself into that character. Oh, yeah. And you kind of always want to talk about it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, if you if you don't have that natural urge to gush about your character, I, I, I don't know if you're playing the right character. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a certain level of and I've tried to force myself to play a character. Doesn't work. I got to be like in there. And when I'm in there, I know. And hopefully, dear listener, you do, too. I don't think I've ever played a character I didn't like. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've tried to force characters that I like thought I wanted to play, but it just it doesn't work. It's not fun. It's it's ingen it's it's disingenuous. So DMs, if you don't have enough uh, to go off of for a session, or you don't, oh man, I've only got like an hour of prep. I don't I don't have three hours of session tonight. Let your players riff. Let them do whatever they want. Let them buy drinks. Let them get in bar fights. You know all exactly. You, you only need one or two stat blocks for stuff like that. No, and that's that's you're exactly right. When you realize you're short on time, when you realize that this is going to be a very player improvising heavy session because you're not you know bringing a whole lot to the table this time around. It's settings like a cantina. A shopping arcade, like a, a derelict space station. You you can create these exciting environments. Star Wars is rife with that kind of generate these player driven riff fueled sequences that can change a whole campaign if if you let them. It's fantastic. What was a great place that I put you guys in? Oh, just, just the uh, the serendipity, the the ship that you guys serve aboard for zero distance, our our starship campaign. That alone, it's it's a hundred people stuck together in space. Throwing a twist, I had a Gizka infestation last session. There we go. Like, and I didn't know what the fuck you guys were going to do with that. I needed to pad a little time. I, I wanted we had just had the kind of a tough encounter. I wanted to do a little padding between the next one. Killing killing space rats. <laughs> and what we did was uh, trick another squadron into doing it all for us. And then we realized that's not enough. We have to actually do this now. <laughs> when you guys were shooting them up in the in the mess hall. I realized a really fun thing I wanted to do, but but totally blanked on. I, I should have had you guys trigger like the fire control systems with all the like <laughs> weapons just discharging yeah, you were yeah, doing. Yeah. And I don't know, then then you're wet. And that's a problem. I always assume Star Wars like fire suppression is like foam. Oh, based. Yeah, like a gross foam. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that would be worse. Oh, it's like an old foam. I'd rather be wet than an old foam. Yeah, I'd rather be. Yeah. The third of these three using music and Star Wars articles to bring it back to this web enhancement real quick brings up the soundtrack for this movie. I've never heard of called Dragonheart. Oh yeah. 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 I'm you know about Dragonheart. Yeah, okay. I've heard of it. Yeah. Patrick here was really jazzed about Dragonheart and also included a list of Dragonheart tracks you can use, uh, including Mexican standoff track seven, start at 29 seconds end at a minute 10. That's 40 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Patrick, 
Oh, thank, and uh, thank God you've got your secondary GM who is there to play and pause music on your command. And he says the last Dragon Slayer is a good alien encounter music. I lo- well, so again, anything in movies you like, uh, albums you like, heavy metal stuff, anything, anything you want to. Industrial is really great for any sort of industrial music. Perfect. Anything without vocals or even with vocals, anything that's driven with energy can work pretty much any way you bend it. I thought I was being silly. When we had you had that that skill challenge plus encounter that was backed entirely by the Smashing Pumpkins, Smashing Pumpkins. And I was like, who the hell am I just putting on Smashing Pumpkins for a Swiss? We loved it. It kind of really worked. It worked really well. I was like imagining in my head the week before. I'm like, this will probably work. It's, It's just it's good filler at the very least. And then you were like, this is really fun. And then Aiden was like, this is really fun. Yeah. And I was like, damn. I guess you can just put 90s grunge on during your Swissy campaign and people will like it. You're flying through a droid factory, taking out turrets and stuff like, come on. It's great. Absolutely. And honestly, you know, music plays a big part of my life. I love music and it's the same for all my friends. We, we connect over music quite a lot. And connecting with others through music is a, is a fantastic kind of little side gig to get going during your sessions because... It's it's a great conversation starter. Maybe someone hasn't heard your music before. And great to break ice with new players or anything seriously. like that. Steven, we've talked about like prepping for a session one and the stuff you need to riff and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, for a session one, there's different schools of thought on this, and I'm sure you've seen them. Of course. In person or online. So yeah, that that's that's it's it's a pretty serious dichotomy and and very different, like game feel between both of them it's almost they're almost entirely separate and as people who've done both like yeah honestly i don't think i could pick sometimes i i really i i'm stumped i really cannot pick which one is my favorite in terms of like emotional fulfillment and like having a consistent experience in person for sure but there's sometimes these games require a lot of precision and swissy has a lot behind it like we talked about there's hazards there's skill challenges there's all these damage types there's all these different classes and weapons that stuff is kind of really made easy breezy on a virtual tabletop like Roll20. Oh, we couldn't run our Starship campaign without Roll20. I wouldn't want to. Absolutely. Well, also like health bars, health bars, super easy on each token. When your average damage, uh, when your average attack is 5d10 times two. I don't want to roll it. No, I don't want to roll that IRL. I mean, we're, first of all, we have to buy a lot more D10s. We only have so many D10s. But like th- that's that's. You could do it like math is easy, right? But that's a lot of time that you could spend just role playing. So it really depends on what you're playing and and how you're playing it. But but prepping for each looks quite a bit different. I think online, you have to have get a map. You you have to because it it just like you can really try theater of the minding it online, but the tools are there and they're so easily available to you that it just feels like you feel like you're missing out if you don't do it. In my experience. I'm really competing with other people's attention span on online because the whole ass internet is right in front of them. A, a bright machine with spinning parts that can do anything and access any information is the competition for your session in an, in an online play. You can, there's no room to do theater of the mind there. The moment these little apes don't have something, some, something colorful to fixate on. <laughs> You've lost them in my experience, both as a player and a game runner for online games. You have to have a visual element and that cannot be a blank white screen with shapes you've drawn on directly in roll 20. Get on drive through RPG, spend $3 or less on a set of really sick sci-fi maps 
and use those. There's modular maps are very popular. I was just using a modular set I bought last night and I'm very excited. I wanted to revamp this certain encounter that Sam may or may not be seeing soon. And I wasn't able to get there myself. I bought some modular packs. I'm, you know, drunk as shit at 2 a.m. <laughs> arranging the shit around in GIMP and I'm having a blast. Yeah, but you're always having a blast when you're using GIMP. That's true. I love GIMP. I, I'm on the beta branch right now, too. It's lots of fun. It's hardware accelerated. Ooh, Ooh man. But besides the point. There's also a fuck ton of free maps. Absolutely. Reddit is full of r slash Star Wars maps. Anybody yeah. out there? Come on. There's, But also on the other side of that, yeah. as you know, some people get scared by that sort of, yeah. am I going to find the perfect map? Well, because you kind of got to pick what's going to happen yeah. and where. Yeah. That's why modular maps, getting yourself a nice variety, not a wide, you don't need a wide variety, but getting like. Maybe something from each conceivable terrain type. Get a, some modular snow maps you like. Get some modular desert maps you like. Some urban maps. Um, some imperial maps. Also, Stephen, you don't always need maps. You don't. For not for every every scene does not need a map. Not at all. I'm a big fan of just taking screenshots from Kotor, just throwing them up there. Like this is what Narshadal looks like. You're on Narshadal. Absolutely, splash screens as splash they're sometimes screens. called. There you go. I I. Used to not really do this for whatever reason, but when you're presenting your players with maybe a more open-ended player, like explore this city for a, 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 a bounty that escaped, just put up a nice picture of that sci-fi city. You can Google sci-fi city, or you can use some old Republic screenshots, or really anything at all. Concept art from movies. The Solo movie has great concept art, which make for great splash kids. Was that what you were gonna say? No, it's just a, you brought up the Solo movie, so I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> But no, you're right. Concept art is a fantastic thing for this. Halo concept art. And Star Trek probably has concept art, I, yeah. I guess. I don't know. But also another great thing for screenshots. But yeah, Akira has lots of really cool sci-fi cityscape shots that you can just take and paste right on Roll20. Um, throw some nice flavor, some text on there to indicate what parts of the map are what. And fuck, you've got your map. This is dumb. I've always wanted to do something like this. I uh there's a account and a subreddit for liminal spaces. Yes, of course. Where people post like liminal spaces, like yeah. things that look like well, they could, you know, they're yeah, like backrooms shit. Yeah, backroom yeah. stuff. And I've always wanted to like make a Jedi temple using liminal spaces as like the different areas of the temple. That would like kind of like work that. though. Exactly. Like especially if it's like dark times style, yeah, or sure. abandoned, you know, destroyed, whatever. Maybe ancient <laughs> hidden temple in your in your old Republic era. No, shit like that works. It's really important to, I think a hesitation I've had is like, oh, I don't want to use, like, let's say our slash liminal spaces. I don't want to use a liminal spaces photograph for my splash screen because my players will notice and, and make fun of me and laugh at me. And th then they'll know and the, the, the facade of GMing will be shattered. No, they don't give a fuck. They're there to, they're there to role play. It's like it's not their priority to notice these things. But like I said earlier... As apes, we love pattern recognition. I love seeing characters I know. I yep. love seeing uh, story concepts I know. I love seeing pictures I know. <laughs> that shit's engaging for a lot of reasons. Like we said, it fires the right neurons in their brain that can hold their attention that they that they recognize from their favorite stories. You don't need to be fixated on being original all the time. And online games, you have zero excuse to be original. So, yes, maps you need when prepping for your when you have two hours to prep for your online game that you haven't prepped for at all why do you think we say cheat line steal all the time it's it's all there is to it is why prepping for an in-person game works a lot different uh hydration is good you're going to be in a room with our deodorant another coffee. good one coffee tea i love to get some tea or coffee going i put a whole pot on 
for or the whole kettle when I have people coming over just because, you know, it's it's good hosting etiquette to do so. And generally people will appreciate the caffeine. It typically leads to better sessions. Getting your delivery order in before the session get starts. The, get the food delivery in before the session starts. Six pack of beer, if if that's the kind of group you've got. Absolutely a, a perfect accompaniment to, to role playing. Magic the Gathering was developed as a game to play while waiting for those to show up for <laughs> D&D sessions. So uh, I heard it was also something you could play in line waiting for like other things to release or yeah. like conventions. Yeah, no, like, like waiting in line at like a midnight release or something yeah. like that was designed with, with those in mind. Um, so, yeah, you know, don't be afraid to have maybe put a, some there's um Disney Plus actually has something really cool. I don't have that anymore, but it's these like it's the Star Wars like ambient Oh, like a Yule log kind of. Yeah, but it's like panning shots of Hoth and like some snow speeders go by and then it transitions to like Tatooine and there's like a sand crawler in the That's distance. Cool, yeah. It's like something you'd see in like a dentist's lobby, but it's Star <laughs> Wars. Just really bright, beautiful footage and just some soft music. Put that shit on. Yeah, make make a comfortable environment that's like stimulating to to the intellect. That's that's probably the best way you could spend 30 minutes. Get your dry erase grid out. Get you your know, dry, get dry you need a dry erase grid. I'm sorry you do. You or or if you're one of those types, modular tiles, anything like that. Yeah, if you got modular tiles, those are great. Great gift for any game master. We're jealous. There. We know you've, you're more <laughs> successful than us. We get it. <laughs> yeah, no, those tiles are, are fun. If you have any token, get the dice out, get stations ready. We're a big fan in our games of those little 2D tokens you put on the little stand. Yeah, I really underestimated those. You can buy for like, what was it, like 10 bucks a bag? Yeah, 15-ish. 15 bucks a bag. It's really high quality, like nice original art, double-sided. And it comes with a little standee, and that there, there's your token. I, I haven't seen many for like like hard sci-fi, but, but you sure can make some if you really. And you can totally make to. some. Um, we aren't really talking about game prepping stuff, but I, I speaking from <laughs> speaking from experience, these are the worthwhile things to put sink time into instead of building an encounter you have no guarantee of actually using. These are the things that players are going to see, and it's going to make them more likely to want a session too. It's the most apparent effort you can demonstrate is by just creating a comfortable environment for your players. They don't see the blood, sweat and tears that goes into that awesome encounter you just made, but probably won't use that. That stuff doesn't come through to the average player as much when you're a player and a game master, which I mean, you, if you aren't, you should be, you should at least game master once. Yes, please. You, you must. It's easy to appreciate the smaller stuff, but especially newer players, you know, might not understand exactly what goes into encounter, but they do understand what goes into a fresh cup of coffee. And that's just nice. Yeah. This is not where I thought we would be going not, for this episode. Not real. Now we're talking about like hosting etiquette, but like, I mean, that's part of Stay game Stay tuned for our hosting podcast. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do a pineapple upside down cake recipe here in a little bit. We'll get Martha Stewart on. Yeah, we've got Martha Stewart Come coming on. on after the break. What if we, what if we, what if we drop our upcoming interview in favor of Martha Stewart or like Rachel Ray? I don't think we could get them. I don't think I want them. I mean... Martha, we can get Rachel Ray. Ray, no, I know she's clamoring for work right now. <laughs> <laughs> Her appearance fee is a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> On the point of in, in person GMing, there's the all important fixture: the GM screen. Um, Steven, there is there is there's an official Swissy GM yes, screen. Right? There is. You can usually get it. It runs for like twenty to thirty bucks on eBay. What's have you? Are you familiar with it? I have all, it. Or? Yeah. Uh, it's yes, I am familiar with it, and uh, it's good. It's actually like really good. The dimensions are weird, <laughs> which is almost too perfect because the, the source books are also kind of a weird square dimension. <laughs> the gem screen is also weird. It's very wide. It, the, the way each. So it's a folding segmented yeah. gem screen like they all are. And each segment is 
like horizontal. It's it's like longer oh, okay. than it is tall. Which but it's is, four segments instead of three, I right? Am I crazy? It's, like, it's I think it's four. Four, yeah. four or five. It's it's oblong and weirdly shaped, but it has like every table from the core rule book in it. All the object statistics, condition track reminders. Uh, little rules things here and there. DCs, I think, are on there for conditions. Conditions. It's got conditions on there. Um, yeah, and it's generally a good thing. Even if you're running an online game, open up a PDF of the GM screen right there for you because it's it's great to have a quick reference. Um, way faster than punching shit into the wiki. Love love the wiki, of course, but for like quick at the table reference, you want the GM screen. Yeah, it's no Pathfinder easy tool. That's no, for sure. it's not. Um, another even better GM screen. I, I once I, I got very ambitious. I was trying to distract myself from my schoolwork at the time. I'll make a GM screen because I don't like the official one. Mostly the dimensions were my biggest problem. <laughs> I, I wanted one that was I bought one of those insert your own yeah. pages GM screens and I was going to print off my own charts and, and do it like that. There's something even better out there. And it was made in 2008. <laughs> you can find this online. It's in the, at the top of the Swissy subreddit. There's sticky resources in one of the Google drives linked on that sticky post there is a unofficial saga edition gm screen famously utters the line jedi please when asked about what to do when a player falls in lava do you remember the one <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> uh this one has all the stuff the official one does but more it also has skill reminders it it's much more legible i think it condenses every it's it's 11 uh, it's still landscape but it's it's eight and a half by 11 so it's just a standard piece of paper it's got everything the official one has and more it even has example hazards on here oh nice yeah it's got uh, uh, um it's got your material statistics it's got example actions there you go application of every skill it's got the hi- it's got the hyperspace mishap table on it <laughs> it's got the system damage table on it it's got the periodic Space hazard table. Remember that one yeah. from our space hazard? It's got that one on there. That's great, Steven. It's got vehicle weapon ranges. Uh-huh. It's light sources. Yeah. Did you even know there were statistics for light sources? I did not, actually. Damn fucking right you didn't. Trade goods. It's a very good GM screen. It's 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 version 1.0, dated February 18th, 2008. This says it was compiled by Dominic Acetaminophen Crawford. Uh, and he thanks oh, some of these names are actually familiar to me from like order 66 connections. There's raving dork is on here. Jindy day gland. I don't know who that is, but Dominic, if you're out there, thank you. Thank you. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Seriously. And this shit rules. Dominic cracked that nut back in 2008. Pick and choose for your GM screen. You don't have to use everything on the PDF. No, a lot of people love kind of just putting up their own folder divider that they might have and just pinning like notes to it, like postcards and clothespins. That works great. Important NPCs. What are the players wanted for? (laughs) (laughs) No, you're dead right. The GM screen is your space and you should use it accordingly. I put, I have the GM screen and I put my laptop behind that because I like GMing with a laptop, just how, how I roll for sure. Um, really, really good stuff strongly recommend using a GM screen and using one that you actually like one that you're going to use. Yeah. One that you're actually going to use. So that's in person versus online, what you may need to get so far. We've covered, let's see, let's work backwards here. Maps, music, minis, minis, comfort and confidence. Oh, pretty good for when you've only that, that, that you can at least half ass all five of those in two hours. I think and there's one more Steven that, you might be able to do, might not be able to do. And I want to, I want to hear about yeah, let's what hear you it. think of this content. Should I run a module? 
should I not run a module? What are the, what's the, what's the point? So, and, and you're someone I've, I've seen do both. Yes. You've run your own modules. You've run uh, completely original games as well. Yeah. I've actually had a lot of thoughts on this recently, especially with new GMs, new GMs, please run a module first. Like, like do, do run a module. Like if you're thinking like, Oh, should I just jump in or do, should I run, run a module? I didn't know shit going into Swissy running Dawn defiance, opened my eyes. And the best part about any module ever, not just on defiance, you can get partway in, be like, okay, I get it. And then dip. You can bail at any time. You can, bail you can pull the cord and bail from Dawn Seriously, defiance. Seriously, Dawn defiance is great. I love Dawn defiance, but we were ready to go and do something else. I had some original ideas I wanted to try out and they seemed more interesting than Darga. <laughs> Yeah, Target the Hut was uh, not a fan favorite. <laughs> no, no. And, and so we pulled out of that and ended up having a beautiful, wonderful campaign we still talk about. I recently sat down for a campaign with someone who was new to the hobby and like brand new. And they they had mostly like just read about it online and had, you know, read their rule book and everything. I really wish they had run a module because they kind of made some really classic Game Master blunders that you can learn not to do by running a module. They were running skill checks for things as simple as like climbing down a ladder. Oh, yeah, yeah. They had very like ultra potent GM NPCs that were clearly the center of the story, not the players. And that's another reason to run a session zero for exactly. sure. Exactly. And, and you know, this person did run a session zero, but but they didn't really have a chance to get those like noob decisions out of the way in a module setting where you're kind of you're guided there's guardrails for sure thing it's like when you're bowling they pull up the little bumpers that's exactly what a module is like you're still bowling but those guardrails are there and it helps so you don't gutter ball it every goddamn time so yeah based on my own personal experience and also you know being a player for for new game masters run run a module if you even think you might need to run a module please do if you don't like Dawn Defiance, there's other ones out there. There's like 25 to Rescue and like Iridonian Darkness. Or, Dark or Times both. module coming soon. The Dark Times module coming soon. <laughs> um, please run a module. Please do. Another thing that's great. This is part of our Cheat Lies Steel Dogma. If you really don't know what to do for Like say you got two hours and you are stumped stumped. Well, pull out episode six of Dawn of Defiance or episode four or episode nine. Whatever you fancy. There's your encounters. Pull up a uh, point in a deer. Point in a deer. Point in a deer. I love point in a deer. Point in a deer is not a module. It's even better. It's a setting. Crack open scum and villainy. Galaxy of intrigue. Galaxy, Galaxy of intrigue. You'll have pages upon pages of settings, places, and reading them, especially with point in a deer. I was like, uh, stories were just coming straight to me. I was like, oh my god, the power dynamics of this place are so interesting. This, how can I use these in my game? Exactly. How can I use these political relationships to leverage a story with my players? And it turns out a place like Point Nadir is already a fucking matchbox ready to ignite. <laughs> just a pile of tinder. <laughs> just put, put your maladjusted, you know, mildly psychotic player characters in there and you, you're it's a powder keg. You're done. There's already problems. You guys crossed a hut without even trying. <laughs> yeah. That's pointing a deer, baby. <laughs> oh, man. I, I think we did a pretty good job at this, Steven. I'm not going to lie. I think so, too. We went above and beyond what I expected us to talk about this. this Me, too. I didn't think we get into, like, Martha Stewart and stuff, but we did. <laughs> and and that, that's, that's great. But, yeah, this, this is a more open-ended conversation about game running. We haven't had one in a while. We have lots of 
early GM advices, but Sam wanted to do one about like, actually, what do you do? Sit down to run the game. Cause we, we've talked a lot about mostly really encounter design. Yeah. We talk about like, Oh, using systems that you might not be used to using skill challenges, stuff like that. Yeah. Things but that I you wanted do. To, yeah, go ahead. Things that you do when you're preparing for a session. But I want to talk about the, the nitty gritty, getting down to it, the rolling the dice, the typing the words, all that jazz. Absolutely. Oh, and probably some some GM advice that's been on mind lately that helps me with because I, I I struggle with improvising absolutely for a variety of reasons. I I edit you on a podcast. I know you struggle with improvising. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> say yes is the biggest piece of advice I give myself when I'm struggling with improvising. In many professional improvising circles, this is known as yes and. If your player comes to you like, hey, I want to make a cool like Dathomir witch subsect of the. Of their like, and they're focused on flying and stuff. Can I do that? Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, "Yeah, I played Star Wars Galaxies. There was one enemy type that that was like that. You can go fucking ham." And not even you're talking about like players building a character. I mean, like of course at the session, player says they want to try something and it it's not what you expected. It's zany. Say for example, a droid player character wants to dive bomb the party ship into a nightclub. It was a rental, first of all. Um, <laughs> I didn't say no. Should you have? I said, are you sure? <laughs> Which is the closest thing a GM should get to saying no, unless, you know, unless you really need to say no. But point notwithstanding, I let it happen. Did it, did it lead to some interesting storytelling, Sam? You tell me. Absolutely. It did. Would I do it differently if I had the chance? Yes. That's the thing. You still had the chance. Well, I wasn't thinking. Is what I'll say. <laughs> Very new to... <laughs> Star Wars role playing. New to Star Wars role playing. Dick Cotton ceiling fan. Instructions unclear. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Dive bombed a ship into a nightclub full of. I should have dive, dive bombed it into the Imperial Recruiting Center. No, which was the, the one next door to the nightclub. You mean? Which is what I meant to do, and oh. I totally forgot it existed until after the deed was done. Oh, only there was a map that had what each building was. Stop! My mouth hurts from smiling. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Dark Times Podcast. Uh, this show is not possible without you. It's not. It is not. Let, let me tell you how. Like how the Republic Army isn't possible without Django Fett, this show is not possible without you, dear listener. You're, you, you, you nailed it. I, you, you, I think you nailed it. Folks, this is a community podcast. Uh, we, we are a great hive mind made up of, of many consciousnesses, and that's you, dear listener. Welcome to the hive mind. Right, so. There will be punch. Welcome yeah, to the high yeah. Mind. What am I fucking saying? All, all these, all, I'm just trying to say thank you for listening to the show. This is a community podcast, and we want to highlight you because you're as much as part of the show as me or Sam. If you ever have a build or an idea or a question or an adventure or uh, your own audio recorded segment that you want featured in the show, reach out. If you have feedback on this episode or any other, you can reach out to us on. DarktimeSwissy at gmail.com on Twitter or Discord, Reddit. The Reddit threads are a great place for that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the show's about inspiration and discussion. It is. We are not, Stephen and I are not the all-knowing, omnipotent gods. No. Laying down the law here. No. As much as we wish we could be. Yes. And, you know, keep an, you know, keep an eye out. <laughs> yeah, we got this godhood coming down God, the line. Godhood 2023. <laughs> yeah, when you guys reach out and, and spread the word about the show, you you support the show and, and you continue to ensure its its longevity. If you like this show, then we're we're people. We're here. Please interact with us. We love talking about Star Wars, about Swissy, about anything. Really, Martha Stewart. Re- reach out. <laughs> Betty Crocker. 
Um, there's another key way you can support the show too. Do you know about that one, Sam? Uh, yeah. I forgot. <laughs> the Patreon, Stephen. Absolutely. The patrons not only have helped pay for some really high quality podcast hosting from Acast, where Buzzsprout is gone. Something they also help pay for is I just got a bunch of brand new audio equipment courtesy of our patrons so I can record at home. I don't have to go over to Sam's apartment, although I, I probably still will. But, but it's great for doing interviews or anything like that. We seriously. usually do them remotely. Yeah, when we're doing remote interviews, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Recording remotely can also help. I mean, this is a crazy world. We don't know when either of us are going to get sick again. We can now record without risk of, you know, seriously hurting each other. Or anyone around us. Or anyone around us. Or if Sam's out of town or really anything. Remote recording is, a, is it kind of really broadens a lot of options for us. And we're grateful for it. Talk too long about this. Um, <laughs> this show would not exist without you listeners. We wouldn't have had our first interview with Little Literalist. We definitely wouldn't be having our second interview coming up with Rodney Thompson. Rodney Thompson, creator of the Star Wars Saga Edition role-playing system. We're interviewing him next week. I, I I'm like in shock. It was, was a joke. I was joking when I said that in like episode two or whatever. But yes, no, you guys make all this possible. We have the podcast has grown to lengths. I did not think possible next week. We're interviewing Rodney Thompson and it's all thanks to you. If they join the Patreon, they get access to all of our, um, Bounties, current and future. They get vote on any of those. They get access to the entire Dark Times module as it releases. We're still working on that. We've got those pre-gens on there. Steven's got his super nice, uh, gussied up little exploration hex crawl guide. I'm a big fan of it. It oh, looks yeah. really cool. Uh, yeah. You know what? Enough dilly-dallying. Let's get you back into it. Damn right. So, Sam, this week we don't have a build. We don't have a build, But Steven. we are going to build something. We're going to build a great storytelling adventure for you and all. Well, we're, we're going to build a great set of storytelling tools. How's okay. that sound? Yeah, I like the sound of that. Teach. Give a man a build. <laughs> he'll run a, he'll session. run a session for a while. Teach a man to build. He'll run a session for eternity. He'll run a campaign. He'll run a campaign. There we go. <laughs> that, that's going to go on a T-shirt. <laughs> Give a man a build. He'll run a session. Teach a man to build. He'll run a campaign. Fantastic. I love that. Tools, Sam. At the core of every story, from reaching all the way back through time to the first stories told by cavemen around a, a campfire, the, 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 the centerpiece of every story is conflict. Conflict between two or more opposing forces. We have our one opposing force, that's the party. We need another. The so-called BBEG. The BBEG, the big bad evil guy, the villain, the antagonist, is just as important to your party as the party themselves. Sam, what's a good start for a villain? What makes a good villain? Well, what kind of villains are out there? You take from what you know, right? We've got classic Star Wars. You got the Emperor. He is this the Empire, even a whole, a whole, um, just a whole community of. Bad guys. Bad guys. Guys who wish everyone was like them and everyone who wasn't was dead. That's a pretty bad guy. That like every bad guy ever is is are built on those premises. And that's a tried and true villain. Seriously. Right Star Wars was inspired by real life villainy. And so when you sit down to create your villain, think about what a real life villain looks to you. 
But, but you don't have, it doesn't have to be a firm, you know, as we've seen, players can be not heroic all the time. It's true. Sometimes they crash uh, <laughs> ships into nightclubs. Yep. Yes, they do. They do <laughs> do that sometimes. We use hero as the game mechanic term here. Heroes come in all sorts of dispositions. Alignments. Alignments, even. As they like to use in storytelling terms and role-playing games. Which is why, and Swissy's definitely geared towards the whole good versus evil, dark versus light conflict, but it doesn't have to be. And sometimes the most compelling villains come from that area in between. Maybe your villain has good motivations, but goes about them in a way that hurts others. Hurts innocence, even. Black Panther. Great movie. Oh, With a great sympathetic villain. villain. Absolutely. This villain has, what's his name? Um, Killmonger. Killmonger. Really cool villain. Very, very (laughs) Not a very... (laughs) Really tells you what he's all about. But Killmonger's cool because he has a just message that's easy to sympathize with. He comes from roots that we can all identify with at one point or another in our lives. But he steals things and kills innocents. And... That's that's not good. <laughs> no, for sure. There's hardly any ideology that could probably no ideology that can that can get away with with doing those things. Great BBEGs are relatable and they make players look at themselves and think, what choice did I make or didn't make that kept me from becoming you? That's something I, I just that's great. I love that in storytelling. Well, and I know you do, too. Zeshkahet was the BBEG in my first campaign. I wanted to create a villain that had the exact same goal as the party, or at least the party members, but went about it in an entirely different, abhorrent way. Lyrillis Vaughn was the Jedi in the face of that party. That character believed that the time of the Jedi was over, that it was time for the Jedi to end. Seshka Het also believed it was time for the Jedi to end, and he thought that he could do that by killing them. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Lyrillis wasn't above fighting some of her fellow Jedi every now and then, but genocide was off the table for her (laughs) because she had morals and a normal, well-adjusted outlook on the universe. Zeshkahet was a, like, possessed space demon guy from from space. (laughs) (laughs) Today, (laughs) on Sloth's Tales from Space, possessed space demon guy from space. (laughs) No, exactly. And, you know, it shouldn't it should be easy to pull your players for what exactly they're up to. Maybe they're profit motivated. Really great campaigns are profit motivated. It's a really fun way to play the game. Watch those numbers go up, baby. Villains are easy to make profit motivated as well. Think about Silco from Arcane. Not exactly a sympathetic villain. I mean, he was like a criminal who was betrayed by another criminal and left to die. That's a little sad. But his interests are so more complex than, ooh, doing evil stuff with my evil friends. He does a lot of that. (laughs) Me and the evil besties. Yeah, no, (laughs) he does a lot of that. But Silco is, his whole deal is about not just avenging himself, but avenging his whole people. He's tired of being cast aside, in his case, literally cast aside, into the Undercity. Was it Vaughn or something? Vaughn's? You're on your own on this one. I haven't seen it. Oh, yeah, you haven't. Nope. He's all about letting people who've been cast aside and downtrodden their entire lives for no other reason besides where they're born by people who are high up in their ivory tower. He wants to see a reversal in his world and make a lot of money on drugs doing it. 
Killmonger very similar. Exactly. That. Killmonger's also disgusted with being cast aside by mainstream society and is pushed to the extreme to do something about it. These are villains that are cool because they have additional layer complexity over the hammy D&D evil necromancer. Villains that make your players think even after the session's done. Yes. Those are the villains that are going to be memorable. Villains that make good points. Villains with a good thesis, a good ethos, but terrible morals. That's your... Or poor execution. Or poor execution. (laughs) Some villains are made by accident. Some villains are painted that way because of an accident they made when they were young. Anakin Skywalker. Anakin Skywalker is a perfect example. Anakin was manipulated his whole life. Dude never had a chance. Orphan from a back... Orphan slave from a backwater world. Manipulated by a, a cult that was in bed with the mainstream galactic government taken advantage of by those far more powerful than he can comprehend. And next thing you know, he's killing children. How do we get here? Star Wars has a lot of tools for crafting good villains. And you know, the core rulebook has a few words on this as well. And earlier note on my whole necromancer shtick, if you want to run cartoonishly evil D and D necromancer as a villain, that's great too. They're good villains. That's good too. A, a, Tried and true is the words I used earlier. Those, yes. those plain black and white cut and dry just straight up bad guys. And Star Wars is the perfect place to do that. It's it. The stat blocks are there for you. Like put, throw down an Imperial officer and there you have it. But your players are media literate or I hope so. I oh God, I hope they are. <laughs> <laughs> and they will enjoy things that are different from the norm. A little something more to chew on. Plus, when you make your villains sympathetic or believable, you open them up to the possibility of switching sides. Redemption. Darth Vader. Again. Redemption is a core element of Star Wars storytelling we cannot ignore. And plus, it's fun as hell. Can you imagine a campaign? You're fighting, let's call him Jimmy. It's Jimmy, the evil Jimmy. And in the last confrontation with Jimmy, you finally find common ground and he joins the party to go fight Johnny, the real evil guy the whole time. A Final Fantasy peek behind the curtain style twist and see the true evil that's been manipulating all sides against each other the whole time. You had a really good um, example of a, redeem- a redeemable villain, uh, Jameson. Yes. He was a- an inquisitor, an inquisitor, right? Yeah, he one? was. And he, I met him as a child we soldier. We met him as a child soldier for the rebels. Yeah. And that's also, we'll talk about that in a little bit afterwards, but yeah. it's one of those things where um, the good guys aren't always as cut and dry as well. It's true. And that's something I love seeing in uh, showing in Star Wars as well. The Rogue One paints a little bit of this with Andor. Sorry, Jameson. We were talking about Jameson. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Jameson. Yeah, I was talking about Jameson. Jameson was a Twi'lek child soldier, like, you know, adopted by the Rebel Alliance, practically. Yeah. Uh, he gets kidnapped because he's force sensitive, it turns out. Yeah. He gets kidnapped and turned into an Inquisitor. Yeah. All around bad guy. Yeah. He is redeemed by the party and becomes a beloved member of the crew and cast. Absolutely. Who... Then goes on to play a key role in taking down the people who made him into the evil machine he was. And boy, was his build really cool. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Love doing fun stuff with uh, uh, Fold Space. Yeah. And Obscura. And uh, Obscura, yeah. Oh, Fold Space, Obscura all the way. And uh, Andor. Andor, yes. We see a little bit of the child soldier shtick in Rogue One. Um, well, Cassian, Andor. I've been in this fight since I was five years old. One of those passionate lines of the movie. 
Because, I mean, how could you not? Like, holy shit. Five years old? Child soldier in the Rebel Alliance? Can't wait for a show coming up. It's going to be really cool. It's important that if you're going to paint your villains in a complex light, paint the heroes too. I shouldn't have to tell anyone listening that, you know, real rebellions, real guerrilla warfare is dirty, nasty business. I mean, think of, read up on, you know, a little guy named as a Che Guevara, extremely successful guerrilla militant. Not a really nice guy. <laughs> Look into his personal life and some of his later decisions. Not not a cuddly fellow, because that's not the kinds of people that fight in rebellions. So we're really in war at all. And Star Wars does this whole thing. We got Saw Gerrera is a great example. Perfect of example. And Star Wars loves to do this thing where it's like, oh, we're, we're rebelling the right way, though. He's re- he's rebelling the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And it's I, I want to say it likes to keep its hands clean of those sort of dirty military tactics. That yeah, are you successful. can have Mon Mothma yeah. who represents the, the, the true way to the, the Facebook way to, to launch a rebellion. <laughs> Guys, you have to protest by just going not using social media for a day. It's the way to do it. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. Saw Guerrera. Yeah. We see him in Clone Wars rising up against a uh, militant power on his home planet. Yeah. And then eventually he takes that to its extreme. Maybe not in the way that the heroes would do it. No. But in a way that gets him results. And therefore, he's a he's a thorn in the Empire's side. It's true. He's very effective at what he does. He ignores civilian casualties and abandons children to fend for themselves but he can blow some shit up (laughs) and i mean these are realistic wrinkles in war stories these are again another example of someone who has a great idea but just horrible methodology you may like what he stands for but you may not like what he's standing on like al gore (laughs) (laughs) wow what a what a weird pull steven name name five things about al gore right now uh bald I, I wrote something. I wrote something. Please read it. You know, on the flip side from making your villains relatable, mm-hmm. making allies or good guys dubious. Some people are willing to do whatever it takes to see their plans come into fruition, even if innocent people get caught in the crossfire. While some Star Wars stories are explicitly black and white, good storytelling gets your players thinking and good game mastering keeps your players thinking after the session ends. It's good to nudge them in the right direction, but it's their decision on what way they're going to progress the story. Good, I like that. We, we, we covered a lot of that already, but yeah. I want to just no bring it together, make it concise, synthesis. There we go. Absolutely, Stephen. Right. It's that time again. Oh boy! So if I die today, I'm not going to make it to the Rodney interview. Yeah, we'll, we'll be pulling uh, numbers like Hunger Games style, and who's going <laughs> to? I volunteer as interviewer for Rodney Thompson. I'm sure there's a lucky audience listener out there who would love to interview Rodney Thompson. So let's hope you get this right today. <laughs> <laughs> This is from the Star Wars SAG Edition Force Unleashed Campaign Guide. It's a CL-13 stat block, uh, medium, force degree droid, soldier one, Jedi nine, independent droid three. Proxy. Yes. <laughs> did we already do this one? No, oh. I don't think so. Oh, okay. Did we do proxy? I, to- I thought we did proxy. We've done. We've we- also talked about proxy a lot. So we love, we love proxy. I don't yeah. think we've done proxy. If we've done proxy, I will give Steven two next time we do a name that NPC. Please let me know if we've done proxy. Fantastic. Uh, proxy's a great stat so block. So cool. J- Droid Jedi. It's insane. I love it. It's great. It's great. It's so good. Double bladed lightsaber. I. Uh, 
What's your favorite proxy moment, Steven? I like his introduction when he just like dive bombs Starkiller as as Darth Maul. That's I think not the intro. Actually. That's not that's not his first scene. No, he actually pulls Darth Maul out like later. Oh, who's he's he? like he's like is oh, it Obi Wan? It's either Obi Wan or Darth Vader. Usually something like that. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was funny that he so chose Obi Wan. So good makes sense. My favorite is when he's like, I've been holding on to this one for a while and it's fucking Darth Maul. Yeah. And they like, oh, chills. You're like, oh, God, I got to fight Darth Maul as Galen Merrick. That's insane. Play Force Unleashed. <laughs> Play Force Unleashed, guys. If you haven't, it's it, so it good. It inspired an incredible campaign guide. It did. Uh, that Probably maybe, my favorite, maybe. Maybe added a little bit of overpowered stuff to it, but uh, it's still fun stuff. Oh, we should cover Unleashed stuff. We've talked about it a little bit. Have we? Okay. We, can, we, we could do a deep it. dive. We can on it. Uh, well, Stephen... Fuck, I gotta, now I gotta vamp for the next 10 minutes. No, that's fine. We can, we can vamp <laughs> a little bit here. Um, folks, next week, we're inter- interviewing Rodney Thompson, the like key creative genius behind Star Wars Saga Edition. There's a Reddit thread up already. You've prob- it's gonna be in the description also. It's gonna be in the description. You've probably seen the thread already. Put a question or two down there that you've been burning in your heart to ask the creators of this game. Rodney now has not worked on the game in about 10 years and has actually moved on to video games, believe it or not. More, more about that in the, in the interview. I'll be blunt. No rules questions, please. Like, we can't, we kind of, he already said he won't do them, basically. Yeah. Like, he was much, he was much more polite about it than what I'm paraphrasing right now. But we, he doesn't have the tools to answer those questions. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hurt, actually, that you wouldn't send those questions when we're doing the show. I, but if we get Rodney on, then all of a sudden you want your rules questions answered. I actually thought <laughs> I thought I thought the rules questions that are already on there, which there's quite a few, um, would be great fuel to answer in future episodes without Rodney. Because there's a few of them. I'm like, oh, that's a really good guy. I could I could chew on that for 30 minutes or so. But yes, please. Any questions about the game's history? Rodney worked on three editions of Dungeons and Dragons as well and plenty of other things. Any questions you have about game design, role playing, Star Wars storytelling, adapting an already piece of like an already established piece of media for a role playing game. Huge, daunting task on it. So Star, we're talking about Star Wars. He wasn't the first to do it. Of course, he got to stand on the shoulders of giants himself. But anything that comes to mind that isn't rules clarifications, mostly put it on there and, and we may we may just ask him. and You'll hear his answer live on air. Um, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Folks, the <laughs> next next episode you see will be a Rodney Thompson interview. Unless something goes horribly Unless, wrong. Unless like, something bad happens. Which <laughs> I'm praying. Please, no. Thank you for listening to Dark Times Podcast. This show is produced and edited by me, Sam. Steven is my co-host. You can reach out to us on Twitter at DarkTimesSWSE or email us DarkTimesSWSE at gmail.com. Talk to us on Reddit, Discord. We have the second edition Discord for the wiki in the description. Join that. Head up on that Patreon, support the show, check out Steven's Hexcrawl Guide. Uh, we've got some cool pregens on there. I've made some maps that are on there also. And, you know, oh, oh, there's another thing we're teasing next week. So keep an eye on the Patreon for oh, that yes. as well. Oh, yes, patrons, big, big changes incoming that I'm sure you'll love. This is going to be a huge benefit for you. If, you. if you're on the fence about being a patron, now might be the time. I'm just saying there's some big stuff coming next week as well that isn't Rodney so keep that in mind Steven do you have a quote for us this week a Sith Lord (laughs) (laughs) good night everybody (laughs) I think I think Chancellor Palpatine's a Sith Lord a Sith Lord (laughs) yeah yeah, Mace that's what I fucking said (laughs) 